0: Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com.
1: IMAVL.com features live streamed performances from the area's venues and festivals almost every night of the week. Find thousands of local performances in our archives or stop by the website to see what's streaming tonight. IMAVL.com. Don't stay home without us.
0: In an increasing busy world, business owners are having trouble connecting to their community and other business owners. At the Asheville Area Chamber of Commerce, we help business owners connect through focused networking, warm connections, and facilitated meetings to grow their network and their business. We are the convener, the connector and the cultivator of leaders and influencers. And we are the local champion for a balanced, thriving economy. I invite you to join us at an upcoming event, meet other members, and learn more about our commitment to building community through business. To learn more, visit AshevilleChamber.org, Asheville Area Chamber of Commerce.
1: Together, we are more.
0: How does an economy that is more mindful and less mindless become a reality? Welcome to the Mindful Marketplace. I'm your host, Joel Skeen, and I'm happy to welcome you to the show where we ask experts, entrepreneurs, investors, and industry leaders for their perspectives on how all of us can, on every level, do our part to help create a more mindful marketplace. I'm excited to get into our interview here today. It's uh, always a privilege for me to introduce a local business to our listenership, but this one is pretty special because in addition to being a good local business, it's also one that really encourages and helps create the kind of mindful marketplace that we discuss here. And they really play an integral part and they're doing it in a really creative and fun and useful way. So I'm really excited to get to, int- to, uh, to interview Simcoe Weinstein from Mother Earth Foods coming up here soon. But first, we're going to go through the balance sheet. For those of you that don't, uh, are not listeners or haven't heard before, I go through uh, four different items on our balance sheet that I consider to be number one, the assets. Number two, the liabilities. Number three, the debts and number four, the investments. So let's get into the balance sheet. First on the list is assets. For assets this week, I want to highlight credit unions. Actually, um, I know a lot of people when we think about where we put our money, uh, may feel a little uneasy about putting a mon- putting your money with a Wall Street bank for them to, you know, lend and to make money off of you. But at the same time, you know, it's not really like any of us want to hide our money under a mattress. We want it to be somewhere safe, somewhere secure, somewhere where it can earn a little bit for us as well. And oftentimes, credit unions can really be a great solution. They have memberships, which means that only members um, get to be a part of the loans and get to have accounts there. And what that really means is that your money stays local when it's at a local credit union versus when it's at a national bank. The profits that that credit union makes also go back to the members rather than going up to a you know CEO bonus or you know helping out someone up top. It also helps create a more circular economy where your money gets reinvested back into your local community rather than being shipped out of it. So I just wanted to point out that if you do have your money with a large bank and you care about making sure that your money is placed somewhere where you have values and where it's more, um, more involved in your local community, I would definitely check out a credit union to see if that might be a better fit for you. Next up is liabilities. Uh, You know, one of the biggest liabilities that I talk about here on the show is monopolies. Monopolies make it so that there's not really much competition and they really create a situation in which the good things about our marketplace are sort of stifled. And so monopolies were in the news a little bit this week when Hall of Fame golfer Phil Nicholson um, and others, nine, 10 other players defected to a Saudi funded golf tour and they filed an antitrust lawsuit Wednesday against PGA Tour um, over the suspensions they received from participating in another in in a different um, golf tour outside of the PGA. They when they filed when these suspensions were filed, this marked the first step in a legal fight that could define the rules of competition across professional sports circuits. The plaintiffs um, also filed an application for temporary restraining order, which allowed them to compete in a FedEx Cup playoff, according to the lawsuit. The lawsuit stems from the PGA Tour suspending some of the names in, its go- in, in golf from the top names in golf from participating in its events after they completed in tournaments hosted by the rival tour Live Golf, which offered record prize money. The lawsuit notes that the PGA Tour hosts an event nearly every week, effectively preventing players from competing in any non-PGA Tour event in America. The PGA Tour told its current members that the group of 11 defecting players are now trying to, quote, use their platform to promote themselves and to free ride on their benefits. But Mickelson and the other golfers in the lawsuit called the PGA Tour monopolistic with a vice grip on professional golf. Their suit alleges that the PGA Tour wants to harm the careers of the plaintiffs because it feels threatened by the entry of Live Golf into the arena. All right, next is debts. Student loan debt is back in the news. This week, President Biden announced that he will grant student loan forgiveness of $10,000 for millions of borrowers who qualify. He also said he would forgive up to $20,000 in debt for Americans who borrowed money under the Pell Grant program designed for low income students. So, roughly. 43 million Americans hold federal student loan debt right now, which accumulates to the tune of $1.6 trillion of student loan debt, according to the recent federal data. The move is expected to have an income cap of $125,000. So if you make over than that, you wouldn't qualify. But if you make less than that, you could qualify for $10,000 of student loan forgiveness. Some out there are calling this debt cancellation a handout, while others say it's not nearly enough. If you are in debt and you want more information about how you can eliminate your debt faster without spending any more money, it's a um, pet it's a, a pet project of mine to help people eliminate their debt. You can go to mindfulmarketplaceshow.com and click on eliminate debt to get more resources. All right, lastly is investments. The U.S. Department of Agriculture announced on August 24th that $19 million will be invested in critical infrastructure across the state of North Carolina to combat climate change. Dr. Jewel Brona, Deputy Secretary of the USDA, said that rural America is on the front lines of climate change and our communities deserve investments that will strengthen all of our resilience. The investments were announced today that those will be made possible by historic funding from the Inflation Reduction Act that will strengthen our energy security, create good paying jobs and save Americans money on their energy costs. Across the state, the investment will fund the construction, renovation and or purchase and installment of equipment essential for community facilities for public use in rural areas. In addition, the fund will help agricultural products and small businesses purchase and install renewable energy systems, as well as make energy efficient improvements. According to the announcement in Southeastern North Carolina, they will receive $12 million for solar systems. All right, that is the balance sheet. So time to get to our interview. Really excited to get to introduce our guest today. He is the marketing director of Mother Earth Foods located here in in my hometown of Asheville, North Carolina, and I am uh, excited to get to introduce Simca Weinstein. Simca, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Joel. Yeah, we're really glad to have you on here today. Um, I-, I guess... I guess I want to start by asking you, you know, a little bit about the organization and the company that you're with. Um, I was really surprised and excited when I came across you guys. And so could you just kind of fill the listener in here on mother earth foods and how it was started and what, what its mission is?
1: Sure. Sure. Um, maybe I'll start with a mission or, or, or even bigger than that the vision. you know, sort of start large work our way down. Um, we like to say you know Mother earth food we're, we're helping to create a, a more sustainable future. and and really how we do that is you know Mother earth Food it's a it's a family-owned grocery home delivering service and we feature local food, organic food, regenerative, sustainably produced food. And the way we do this is we partner, with over 300 local and regional farmers and food producers. We have uh, an availability of over a thousand items and those items include um, organic and sustainably raised vegetables, meats, eggs, dairy, baked goods, uh, wellness items, uh, most things that you find in your pantry, all of those things. And we deliver these items to the Asheville area, to Western and and around Western North Carolina, and uh, you know, at our core, we believe that you know supporting local food—that's how we can best help our community uh, move towards a more sustainable future.
0: Yeah, um, you know, my I want to sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, no, but that's you know, I was my introduction to. to Uh, all the ideas that we talk about on this show was actually through what you're talking about in kind of local food systems. When I was up in Detroit, I was working with a nonprofit that did address food desert issues and, you know, got food out to families that were low income that needed healthy access to food. And so it's interesting that we both kind of have that, that's sort of our introduction to the, to this world. Why do you feel like that is so foundational and, and um, so important in creating a more sustainable future?
1: Well, I mean, there there's many things about, you know, there's many attributes of local, you know. Our, one, our, our food system in general, it's it's broken. I mean, it's, it's responsible for at least 25% of the carbon emissions out there into the world, our food delivery system. You know, uh, 15% of that, and that, that's a whole nother conversation, includes eating meat. But still, most of the the, the the chemicals, the pesticides we use, they're petroleum-based. Um, the way we go to market with food, it's just very, very intensive. Even how, and, and and this is where we're a true alternative, even when you go to a grocery store, if you look at most grocery stores, you walk in on a day, you know, any summer day, it's going to be nicely air-conditioned. We all kind of appreciate that, but when you think about the amount of energy it takes to keep things air conditioned, all the refrigeration that's going on in those stores. And then you have, you know, you have, maybe you have 70 people driving in their car to get a bag or two of groceries. You know, our paradigm sort of flips all of that. You know, we, we have one big uh, walk-in cooler for everything, We um, we don't you know, we don't use refrigeration throughout uh, or not refrigeration, but I'm sorry, but it's not like our our offices are heavily air conditioned. And really the part, you know, sort of the what's called the last mile in our food system is where uh, a service like ours really shine. Kind of as I mentioned, you know, if you've got 70 people driving to a store. Seventy people coming back with one or two bags. Our vans that we deliver in carry seventy bags. And so you've Mm -hmm. got one vehicle distributing those seventy bags. And it's just a much more efficient, it's 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 you know, it's a more sustainable model for our food delivery system. It in a way you could think of us, we're kind of like a farmer's market, only we're delivered to your door. Yeah, I
0: actually wrote down farmer's market on wheels as you were talking. There you go. There <laughs> yeah. you go. And and so that that's the next question I would want to ask is, you know, let's say that I'm a let's say that I'm someone who would like to have my food system and the food that I consume be more healthy, more local, not have to be something that's shipped from Chile and you know, filled with plastics in the soil and in the and in the transportation and have to use up all that energy without a service like your guys is what i found myself doing personally is you know i go to the farmer's market on saturday and you know i go down to hickory nut gap once a month and pick up a bunch of meat and you know kind of you, you you end up like you said you're it's better but it is still a little inefficient and you guys seem like you're really filling that need for people because it also takes a lot of time it's really difficult to get out there it, it's not convenient to try to buy everything you can locally. They don't, things are not set up conveniently for us to do that. Is would that, was that the main reason why you decided to focus on delivery or was there anything else that played into that? Or tell me more about that.
1: No, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head and, and look, th- there isn't any efficiency with farmer's market, but we would never slam farmer's market. They do wonderful work and a, a lot of those growers and a lot of those food artisans we work with. Um, but, yeah, the, the convenience part, and, and and I think they'd be comfortable if I said this. The founders, um, Andrea and Graham Duval, they basically started this, you know, because, it, you know, one morning they go, wow, we just don't want to make this trip to the farmer's market this morning. It's early. There's other stuff to do. Oh, only if this farmer's market would come to us. You know, that's that was kind of their bingo moment, so to speak. And they decided, well, maybe we could, you know, may, maybe maybe this is our time. We can do this. And that's how Mother Earth Food began, really. It um it it, it as you, you use the word convenience, you know, it's just thinking, how can we more conveniently bring a farmer's market to everyone? And it turns out, you know, convenience may have been part of the precipitating event, but. But in the end, um, the ecological benefit is, is really, really huge. Kind of like the idea that um, in the organic foods industry, there is a company, and you've probably seen or even used their products. It's, it's a company called Seventh Generation. They do uh, dishwashing detergent, uh, clothes detergent, it, it, a nice organic stuff. And seventh generation comes from, you know, the we we tend to when we look at people who think of the next generation, Native Americans definitely come to mind. You know, that's 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 part of their that's part of their soul. But they take it a lot farther, a lot further rather than uh, just the next generation. They were known for whatever. Big thing, for lack of a better way of saying it, that they were going to do they would always take a look at how it would impact seven generations down the line. And, and you know, that's we're, we're trying to live up to that standard, at least, in terms of touching lightly. And, and one way to look at that, the easiest way to say it is, typically, on average, the meal that's in front of people, it's on their plate, travels 1,500 miles to get there. That's an average. If you buy local food, it on average travels between 35 and 50 miles. And, you know, it, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to deduct all, all the uh, ecological benefits that come from that.
0: Yeah, that's a 30 times at least difference. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. How did you originally get get into this line
1: of work? Well, what's your background? So, me personally, um, and because we're on radio, people can't see me, but, Jill, I'm I'm guessing I'm a few years older than you, <laughs> and I, I, I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, but I went to college, what got me to North Carolina, I went to college at UNC in Chapel Hill, and after I graduated college, this was 1976, and that's probably the giveaway right there that I'm older than you. Um, Graduated in 1976, and myself and three friends, We our plan was to go to law school, but we wanted to take a little break from academia. You know, pretty much it was kindergarten through graduating college, and it was just, let's take a break. And so we ended up opening this outdoor produce market. Never thought of it as something that was going to be life-changing or anything, just something that would be not school and not law school. Um And for me, it actually did become a little bit life-changing, really got into it. That's when I started getting into organic. I would go down, I would take our truck and go down to Florida, where there were a lot of organic farms. And, you know, I just got into the whole organic, sustainable agriculture scene. And this was in 1976. It was not, it wasn't really strong or happening anywhere for that matter. And I just really got into it. And you know, at, at least to my mind, I wisely uh, 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 decided not to go to law school, uh, never regret that decision. And I just stayed in the organic and natural foods industry. And, you know, and and, and that involved that always would involve local. Um, and one of the things I began to see early on is that, you know, we've, we've got this cool product, but Not enough people know about it. So I I just began thinking, you know, we've got to tell the story, got to tell the story of organic, got to tell the story of sustainable, got to tell the story of local. And so that just kind of became the mission that I've been on. And here we are, you know, let's see, do the math. What is that? Forty six years later. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Still trying to tell those stories
0: in those 46 years i guess when you think about where we're at now and how far we've come and how far you've come when you're thinking about these local food systems i guess what's the what's the most urgent thing on your mind or what do you feel like is the thing that really needs to happen the most to get us to where we really want to go
1: so that's 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 a great question just, and and i'm going to answer this one just personally you know for me I'd say the biggest issue, and, you know, I, I enjoyed your 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 prelude about the assets, the liabilities, and, you know, we, we we've got a lot going on, and we've got a lot of issues. And to me, though, the biggest issue that's going on, not just in this country, but in the world, is climate change. That's it. And, I mean, let's face it, if down the road, if we do not have a sustainable habitat. You know, I'm not somebody who believes that we're messing up the planet. We can't hurt the planet. You know, that would be arrogant to think that we were that impactful. But we can really screw up our habitat. And I think mm-hmm. we're in the process of doing that. And so in my mind, everything we do, it, in, in some ways, it just, it, it comes down to uh, our carbon footprint, really. How can we leave the smallest carbon footprint that will make it so that, you know, I have grandkids, you know, my kids, my grandkids, yours, everybody's, you know, as, you know, 40 years from now, 50, 60, 70 years from now, when we start hitting the next century, how will it look for them? And so local food, uh, regenerative food, sustainable, organic, all of these, our food delivery system is huge. And being able to make a dent in that, uh, can, can have a, a, a tremendous impact. I mean, it's, it's funny. Uh, a, a, a lot of press is given to electric vehicles and all of that. And look, that's great. However, if today in our country, if everyone in our country stopped driving, there were no cars on the road, you know, that's option A. Option B was, Everybody, you you know, keep the cars running, but everybody ate just organically raised food. It's not even close the difference that uh, it would make in our carbon footprint or, you know, eating organic, eating sustainable, eating regenerative food, eating local food has a much larger impact on our carbon footprint than not driving. Hmm. Yeah, that's
0: that's huge you know cuz so much that so much so much focus gets put on gasoline and cars but we think every time you eat something that was raised across the world it had to be drive somewhere it had to be flown somewhere it had to go somewhere it's and true. um i want to i want to just wrap up by bringing it back to something that you said that i think is really a great guiding principle for all of us whether we're in you know, setting up our personal lives with our family, or we're looking at our economy and our society as a whole. And that's asking that simple question is, how is this going to impact seven generations down the line? And actually looking at that long-term. And I got to say, I think that Mother Earth Foods and what you guys are doing is is in line with that. And you can tell that you guys are thinking long-term, not just short-term.
1: We are, Joel. Thanks. Thank you for that. And and we do, you know, it it is, it, it is about you know if we live and you know you started out using this word if if we live a mindful life now we will only benefit future generations and because eating is something that we do really regularly <laughs> quite often most of the time it's it it's something that we can how we do it really affects those future generations and you know it's up to us to lead it's it's more than just, I, I think it's compassionate eating. It's it's about being compassionate, about figuring out how to make it work for the next generations. I think that's everything.
0: Yep. You absolutely got it. Where where can people find you to either become customers or learn more about you?
1: The the best way is to go to Mother Earth Food, no S. And I only say that because it's S wants to roll off your tongue. Yep. MotherEarthFood.com. Awesome. Everything and you, you can listen, know about us oh, will be there.
0: Excellent. And you can listen to the recording of this episode or check out other great shows here on the bizradio.us network by going to d- www.bizradio.us. Hope you all take care of yourselves and take care of someone else. Thanks, Simka.
1: Thank you, Joe.